Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Well, I'm going to pray and we're going to jump straight in. Is that okay? Excellent. Great feedback. Excellent. Well, Lord, we just pray that you'd speak to us this morning. We welcome your Holy Spirit to come and move on our hearts, speak to us, highlight anything you need to highlight. We pray for your voice, your strength and your light in this room right now. And Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in everything we do and say today in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. Well, today I want to share on what I've called living free. I'm going to start by just reading a little story, which I don't, I don't know if I've ever done, actually. Um, a man returning from a journey brought his wife a matchbox that would glow in the dark. After he gave it to her, she turned out the light, but it could not be seen. Both thought they had been cheated. Then the wife noticed some French words on the box and asked a friend to translate them. The inscription said, If you want me to shine in the light, keep me in the light. If you want me to shine in the night, keep me in the light. So it is with us. And this is a reminder for us that we have to be exposed to Jesus' light continually if we actually want to be able to be of any use, if our faith that we proclaim we believe in is going to be much use to us in the dark places, we need to be exposed to the light as often as possible. And um, today I want to just explore what it, what it looks like and maybe what it sounds like and some practical ways of what living free really means for us as believers. There wouldn't be a person in the room today that wouldn't actually say, yeah, I want more freedom. I want to be freer from this situation or from this way of thinking or this habit or this anxiety or these pressures of life. We all want greater levels of freedom. The older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing that the only true freedom that you and I can actually attain in this life is genuinely, truly, 100% through Jesus Christ, through that man, that person, God, man. And he came so that you and I may participate in heaven. It's the greatest gift of all. It's the greatest message of all. It never loses its power. It never loses its authority. And so for you and I, with all the anxieties and stresses and pressures of today's world, which, funnily enough, a lot is said of the stresses and pressures of today's world. To be honest, we probably talk more about the pressures and stresses of today's world, but they're no greater than around the World War II time or World War I time or the Great Depression or other times throughout history where whole populations have been wiped out by disease and plagues and wars and issues of life. And so sometimes we get a little bit obsessed with how bad society is today. But it's not worse than it has been in previous history. Just look at the Old Testament. I mean, there's some pretty horrific stories in the Old Testament where whole people groups were wiped out. And so we live in a day and age where we're actually sometimes celebrating and obsessing over negativity. You might have heard 
And I've got to be careful here because I could rant, okay? I could really, really go on a leftist rant right now. But in today's society, the media is absolutely bombarding us with people who play the victim card. I'm a victim. Uh, I'm a victim because of this. I'm a victim because of this. And people are searching their genealogies to see if they've got a little bit of black heritage somewhere so they can play a victim card on that. And, and so we got to look at today's society and say, hang on, we are all victims outside of Christ. We are all victims outside of Christ. We are all the same outside of Christ. And then when we give ourselves to Christ, we are all part of his adoption plan. It's an incredible adoption plan into fatherhood, into the family, the kingdom of God. And so as society keeps going, and um, there's many movies coming out now about apocalyptic times and end times and end of world disasters. I thought 10 years ago there was a lot of them, but now there's more than ever. Um, And I remember in about, I don't know, I hope I get the dates right. Yeah, I've got it now. Uh, In in 2011... um, I heard there was a movie coming out called 2012. And in 2011, I did some research on where does this come from? And it was the Mayan, you know, the Amazon Mayan Indians had this prophecy that in 2012, the world was going to end. And so I started researching this and researching this. And in 2011, I did something risky. I preached a sermon. In fact, the world won't end in 2012. And uh, if you don't believe me, I'll try and find it for you. And you can bore yourself to tears this afternoon and have a listen. But I did that because I was so confident that no one knows when the world's going to end. I was so confident that some prophecy of some group is definitely not going to be correct. And so I stepped out on a limb and sure enough, here we are. Many, many, many years later, we are still waiting. We're still watching and the world may be getting more confused, but there is more need for a saviour in today's world than ever before in history. That's something that all of us would acknowledge. And so we get to participate in a level of freedom that people who are outside of Christ don't get. This is why this message is so powerful. This world needs freedom, freedom from pressure, freedom from anxiety, freedom from depression, freedom from sickness, but most of all, freedom from sin, freedom from sin. Because what was called sin 30 years ago now isn't called sin. What was called sin a hundred years ago now isn't called sin. We, we have this slippery slope going on in society. And we can see it declining. If it keeps declining, uh, I mean, it's, you, you can't watch a TV commercial in today's world without being bombarded with homosexuality, without, with other messages that are corporately trying to be rammed down our throat. And so we've got to know what do we believe and who do we believe in. And we believe in Jesus Christ and there is no other. His message doesn't change. It never will change. But to keep that freedom, we need to keep his message. We need to keep his light alive. We need to keep this this little flame that he gives us and we need to keep it burning. I want to read from 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Powerful passage, really powerful passage. If you've ever wondered 
why there are situations in life that seem to be going against you, it's because you have an enemy. You have an enemy. I ha- that may be Jesus. Let's see what he says. No? You never know how he's going to speak. We have an enemy. We have an enemy who, who loves to plague us with things. Sometimes we attribute things to him that aren't him. They're things, just stupid things we've done. But other times that it is him. So we've got to discern. And don't attribute things to him that are just silly decisions on our behalf. I've done that before and I've, I've realized, hey, that's not so smart because I don't learn from that. I end up blame shifting all the time. Oh, that's the enemy. That's the enemy. But when we have the spirit of discernment and we have wisdom, we can look at situations and go, if I'm living in the spirit, I'm truly free. Therefore, I'm free from other obligations of life. And I can navigate. I can have the gift of discernment. I can have wisdom. I can have truth. I can have that light shining in me so I can actually see where is the enemy. Because you don't want to be shooting in the dark. You don't want to be shooting at the wrong thing. Um, I I was told the story before when I was um, in a legal battle for my business, um, a barrister who I'd hired, um, you know, because I was sort of really paranoid about everyone who was kind of, you know, wanting to be paid their bills that I was due to pay them. But, you know, it's kind of annoying at the time. When you've got 100 people you need to need to pay and you don't have it and there's other scenarios going on and some real dramas going on and, you know, so you're fighting all sorts of battles and getting heated up and emotions. And he said, hey, 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 just, just calm down. Be careful because when you shoot in the dark, you've got to be careful it's not your blood on the floor. And it taught me a lesson that, A, don't fight too many battles on too many fronts because it, it, you just can't do it. But also be careful where you're shooting because you might end up shooting yourself. And so I've realized to be slow on accusation, to be slow on judgments, to be slow on saying that is the enemy, to be slow on putting big things onto other people or or even the enemy in situations, first and foremost, I take personal responsibility. And I found that to be a really wise thing to do. There's even situations where they go chaotic and I know I've done everything I can, but I still say, Lord, what could have I done better? What could have I done better in that situation? Because this is how we grow. This is how we grow. And so to live in the Spirit means He's going to teach us things. If we truly want to live in the Spirit, He's going to say, don't do that anymore. If we want to walk with the Spirit and bring that freedom, He's actually going to prune us. Ouch. No amens. What's going on? I was out in my garden yesterday, as happens pretty much three times a day, and um, I was looking at the fruit trees and I was just, you know, peeling off some of the lower, the lower buds that are starting to come out because I don't want nutrients going to lower buds. I want nutrients going to the higher ones. And uh, again, it just teaches me this lesson that God is always pruning. He's always pruning. John 15, if you don't believe me. He's always pruning. He's lifting up and he's pruning. And he's taking away the things that just need to be removed from our life. Because he wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to bear incredible fruit. If you're going through pain, if you're going through pruning, if you're going through challenges right now, give him praise. That's what James talks about. 
Have joy in the trials. Now, I know you might be thinking, just end it now, Pastor. Because that's the last thing you want to hear if you're going through a trial. I know. Believe me, I know. But it's biblical. It's truth. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because God's pruning you. He's ripening you. He's strengthening you. And He wants you to live in the Spirit so you can live at a higher level, so that you can hear His voice more, so that you can walk with Him and talk with Him. And so that fruit is big next season. Freedom is something we have to fight for. It's something we actually have to go for. And sometimes in life, we stop because there there might be a limitation or there might be a, a wall or there might be something put up. Yesterday, I was putting up a a fence, I don't know, 50, 60 metres of fence to move our sheep from one paddock to another. And uh, it's a very annoying job. And I've got all sorts of cuts and things all over my hands this morning. I know, it's, it's just terrible, isn't it? It's terrible. Anyway, I listened to Cornsey and KG on 5AA just to hear what's going on in the sport world. I quite enjoy it out there. And, uh, but anyway, the lesson in this story is, you might be thinking, where is this going? I, I was trying to move the sheep from, from one pad. Normally, it's quite an easy exercise. Um, but unfortunately, there's better feed out in our main area, which is not fenced, than in the fenced area. And so I'm sort of bringing them out and I'm trying to move them in. I think, hang on, I've done this the wrong way around. And it's an open area. And of course, they go to the bigger feed, exactly like us. We always go where it's better, don't we? But I'm trying to sort of get them in this area. I finally get them in. And, um, and you know, they want to go all over the place. And one, of course, one lamb finds its way out. So I've got four of them in there, four or five of them in there, and one hanging around. And, and I'm like, come on, get in that fence. Get, get in that area. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm trying all the tricks under the ball. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, here comes Buddy. Um, <laughs> Buddy is our Australian shepherd, and someone had unchained him from the, uh, from the house. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to go well. So for uh, the next half an hour... I'm, I'm just yelling at him, the sheep thinking I'm yelling at them, I'm yelling at other things and, and, you know, it's a bit of chaos and I'm thinking, that lamb has no idea what's hanging out here. I put up a fence so it would be safe and yet all it wanted to do was get out. He had no idea that I was putting it in a promoted place with food, safety and everything but all it wants to do is go out here and what the moral of the story is sometimes God will fence you in to give you better feed. Because something's hanging around that he doesn't want you exposed to. And so as annoying as Buddy is, I mean, we love him. The, the next hour of, of stress was, was a very good lesson in life. Because I'm thinking, wow, you never know when God's protecting you. You never know when God's allowing a fence to block you and me from something we so long for. But he's saying, it's not the right time. It's not the right place. It's not the right time. It's, you're going after something. I don't want you there. I want you in the field. I want you eating the good food. I want you strengthened. I want you having spiritual food, not out in the exposed arenas where wolves who are roaming around can steal you away. But we need to stay in the light because we're meant to glow. And we need to stay in the light. So when it's dark, we actually glow. 
And if we're staying with him, if we're staying strong with him, then in the trials, in the struggles, in those dark places, we will glow. And that's what spirit-filled believers are called to do. We're called to glow. We're called to go and glow. That's a lot of Gs. Here's another one. I just read from glory to glory. I've, I've thought about this one a lot in the last decade or so, ever since we had James Gole here. Some of you might remember James Gole. He shared a sermon and he called it glory to gory to glory. Did you hear that? Glory to gory to glory. And I have had that phrase going through for a decade now. It, it's annoyed me. Sometimes I've enjoyed it. Sometimes it's absolute. Because if you're in the gory zone, you don't like people saying, just consider it pure joy. You don't like that because it's tough. It's really tough. It can be dark. But that's what walking in the Spirit is all about. Getting through the trials, getting through the valleys so that we can shine and we can actually prove, test and approve our faith, the Bible says. Test and approve. There's something going on in the trial. God loves it when you and I reach out in faith and we trust Him anyway. When circumstances are completely against us and we say, against all odds, I'm going to believe. Abraham, it was accredited to him as righteousness because with faith against faith, he still believed. It's an amazing thing when we believe God when there's nothing else to go on, when there's just thin vapours of faith left in the room and you hang on that thin vapour and you say, I'm going to believe anyway. I'm going to believe anyway. I, I don't feel it. I certainly don't feel it. No one else around me feels it. There's no practical, logical reason why I should even still be a believer. And this is the point where God puts a fence up, but people leave the flock because they think there's something better. And that, that veil goes on. That veil goes on. And some people, it depends what you believe, whether you can lose your salvation or whether you just fall fast asleep. Who knows? But what I, what I do believe is that people can forfeit their rewards. They might not forfeit heaven, but they will forfeit rewards if they let go of him. And I think the Bible's clear on that. We can talk about that another day. We can have an argument over Facebook or something like that, like people do these days. You'll never find me doing that. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. God is good, isn't he? And he wants you and me to live free. Imagine your life at a whole new level of freedom. Imagine your life without some of these limitations, these restrictions. Imagine your life if you truly, and I'm in this camp, if we truly had the faith of a mustard seed. Imagine what we could achieve. Imagine what we could see. It doesn't seem like much, doesn't it? Uh, have you ever seen a mustard seed? I have. You lose the things, they blow away in the wind. <laughs> but it's incredible thought that that's what Jesus said, all we need is faith as a mustard seed. If you're hanging on a mustard seed today, you have miracles in your hand. You have everything you need is in your hand today. It's in your spirit. And all we need to do is believe. All we need to, that's what faith is, isn't it? It's this invisible currency of heaven. And all we have to do is just believe, say, I'm going to partake in that. I'm not feeling it at all. I don't even know if I believe everything that's ever said, but I'm just going to hang on you, God. I'm going to hang on you, Jesus. And we trust in him. And that moment we trust in him, there's a transaction that takes place. And I, I believe that's when God begins to put up fences and provide food. 
And when we go to him, we, we begin to shine. We begin to shine brighter and brighter. It's a powerful thing. Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. True freedom can only come from Jesus. True freedom does not come from any other source. In fact, all of those other sources are second best, sometimes third, fourth, fifth best. I was having coffee with uh, four other pastors from this. We were joking because we're kind of on the block, on this block. And um, it was great. We had a great time, a couple hours, just having coffee together and just sharing together. And and one of the things that, that... all of us just resounded in is one, we want to see more people saved. Two, we desperately need God to move. We desperately need God to move. But it's frustrating because for some reason he's given us some responsibility in the harvest because he said the workers are few. So he actually has you and me as workers in his kingdom. I don't know why. I just wish he'd blast us with a supernatural bomb You know, it would be an easier way, wouldn't it? Amen. I mean, it would just be an easier way. However, for some reason, he's asked you and me to get in the harvest field and be co-heirs, co-laborers with him in the harvest field and say, come on, walk with me, talk with me. I want you to shine. I want you to shine the light of love and peace and joy and all the fruits of the Spirit in this harvest field. But he wants us to be free. He doesn't want us bound. We should not be bound by so many things like the world is. If we're bound by all the things that the world is, then we're eating from the wrong tree. We're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because we're trying to get better. We're trying to do all those things, and yet we need the tree of life. We need the source of life, the tree of life. He is waiting for you and me. And sometimes all it takes is a little more eating of his fruit, a little more diving in, a little more exposure to his light. Because as John 8.38 says, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you don't feel free in the way you live right now, I want to stand on the word of God, not just how I feel or you feel. And I want to guarantee you there is freedom available. There is freedom available for that situation. There's freedom available in Christ. It's not found in any other source. So what does it mean? Maybe it means prayer and fasting for a while. Ever tried it? It's a horrible experience. (laughs) Hey, I'm just saying what most of you are thinking. Tell me, anyone who's fasted for 10 days, have you enjoyed it? I mean, it's like like Karen and I have got this routine. Let's say we're doing a 10-day water fast. I mean, it's a long time. But, uh, you know, we've done it many times, and Karen's done even quite some extended ones. But, uh, you know, we have this routine. We we wake up in the morning, and it's like, okay, hot water, cold water, lukewarm water. You try water in every various temperature just to get some variety. I'm going to use this mug. No, I'm going to use my takeaway mug. So I feel like it's water, then you jug it. And, I mean, you do everything you can to make water taste better, seem better. And then once the day's done and, you know, you're feeling trim, I mean, your bloating goes away. There's a natural benefit, I can tell you that. But then, then nighttime comes, dinner time comes. Like we each take in turns in the bath for an hour and a half each because it's like I'm just going to pass, pass time sometimes. But God does something in those times. Let me encourage you. If you've never done it and you need breakthrough, have a 48-hour fast. The Bible talks about fasting and praying. It is very good for your health, believe it or not. It cleanses you like nothing else. 
but spiritually it does too. So if you're seeking God for something, go for it. Go for it. Or maybe just it's another level of praying. This is what happens when we get into his light. This is what happens when we listen to him because he begins to transform us. And let's go back to that first, uh, second Corinthians uh, 3, 18. But we all with unveiled faces looking in a, in a mirror at the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. We're being transformed into his image. But it means he will put up fences. He will direct our paths. He'll prune us. And if we test and approve that we believe in him and we love him, then we will walk that journey. It's, it's a lesson of being a cost of following Jesus. It's, it's one of these things we hear very little about in modern church. The cost of being a disciple. The cost of following Jesus. It actually means we lay down some things and we take up his cross, so to speak. We take up believing in him. He's died for us, but we partake of that by believing in him. We don't have to do it physically because spiritually, he's already done it in the natural, but spiritually we receive it and we say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry whatever you've given me. I'm going to carry it. I'm going to carry it in faith. John 8, 32, and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. As we study his word, as we worship together, as we encourage each other, we won't shrivel out. If your faith has ever shriveled out, then we need to get more into the light. We get into the light. We let the light shine. We've all shriveled out at various times, haven't we? I mean, we get dry. We get bored. We get yeah, blasé. It's like, yeah, I've heard this before. I've done this before. But then when we get with that man, Jesus, we get with him. He's not boring. There's something incredibly mysterious about his voice. That he, he only has to say one word, one phrase, one paragraph, and everything becomes new. Everything becomes new because the reality of God is powerful. The reality of God is what you and I are called to be with. We're called to be with him. We're called to have intimacy with him. We're called to be transformed into his likeness. And so I want to encourage you today to maybe yield some of those things that are just distractions or maybe getting you shriveling up and maybe... He, allow him, yield to him, say prune what you need to prune and get it over quickly, Jesus. That's my version. None of us like pain. But whatever you have to do, do it, Lord, because I want the best. I want true freedom. I don't want to be bound. I don't want to be restricted. I want to be free. But to be, to be free means we have to be with him because if we're not with him, we're still at a distance and the light dims transformation, transformation. One of the biggest traps I think in today's society is worry and anxiety. And it is a big distraction because we, we worry about a whole lot of things. I was thinking back, um, you know, back a hundred years and I was thinking, isn't it interesting? Most of the things, probably the top nine out of 10 things that we worry about today didn't exist a hundred years ago. And so we need to be careful what we put our energy into, worrying. Let me read you a quote from Corrie Ten Boom, who knew what it was to pay the price for Jesus. She said, worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you moving, but doesn't get you anywhere. Isn't that perfect? Just picture that. 
every single time you begin to get worried about something, you're rocking away. We have a rocking chair. Our dog has owned that rocking chair and he just sits in it in an awkward fashion and rocks away on the rocking chair. You don't move anywhere. All that worry, all that worry, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. A lot of energy. You can probably burn some calories worrying, worrying about this, worrying about that, worrying about that. Do you really need to put that much energy into that worry? Probably not. God is in control. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's happening tomorrow. He cares about you. He cares about even those little situations. The Bible says that even if he cares that much about the sparrows outside, how much more then does the Father in heaven care about you? And your situation. He's looking after you. He's going after you. He's probably prohibited some of those things that you got annoyed about. It was him all along. He was saying, don't go down that track. It's not going to be good for you. I want you to walk with me. I want you to talk with me. You know what? He's created you for intimacy with him. That's the ultimate plan, is that you and I would have intimacy with him. A knowledge of him, that we would have eternity with him. I've often wondered, why did you create humans? You could have done all this with beautiful animals and, you know, T-Rexes and things like that and had, had a phenomenal earth. But he created humans so that we can have a relationship with him. He wants a relationship with you. If you don't know Jesus or are not walking with Jesus this morning, give your life to him. It's the simplest, easiest, best thing you will ever do. And it's so easy. You just say, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Forgive me of my sin. I want to walk with you. That's all you have to do. And then you begin a relationship just like you would with someone else. But you begin it with Jesus. And he gives you access to heaven. He gives you eternal life. It's an amazing, amazing miracle that happens. And it's happened to billions of people all over the earth. Christianity is still the largest religion on earth. The Bible is still the best-selling book in history. In history. And it's a best selling book in history because of its eternal, powerful message. It's an incredible God we believe in, isn't it? Stay seated. I'm going to pray because normally I get you to stand, so I want to do something different today. Is that okay? I want you to be free. <laughs> just lift your hands, though, if you want, want to just par participate in a prayer of freedom because sometimes we need to be reminded of the freedom we have in Christ. And Today, Lord, we just come before you. We, we, we yield to you again. We let go of stuff that's got in the way. Those other priorities, those stresses, those worries, those cares that really ultimately probably don't play a big part in our future. And we look to you, Jesus. And we say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and make yourself real and known to us in fresh new ways. Transformation from glory to glory. Glory to glory, we pray more of your glory in us, that your light would shine. We just let go of the chains. We let go of the frustrations and the things that have distracted us from the pure relationship with you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise over every situation. We even consider it pure joy, even in the trials, even in the things we don't know. Why is this happening? What's going on here? We stand with James and say, we consider it pure joy. We laugh in the face of these situations and we take up our cross because that's the gospel. And we say, 
Jesus, come and have your way. Come and have your way in that relationship. Come and have your way in my finances. Come and have your way in my personal life. Come and have your way in all of these situations. Break the chains that have held us back and release us into new levels of freedom. New levels of freedom of intimacy with you, Jesus. Come, our Master, our Saviour, our Redeemer. Come and release greater awareness of you. Sometimes awakening happens individually. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing when, when an individual just begins with a fresh unveiling. We begin to see Jesus how he really is. Sometimes we are overwhelmed by his goodness. Sometimes we are overwhelmed by his glory, by his presence. And we say, Jesus, come and have your way. Come and have your way individually and corporately and in our community. We say, come and awaken us afresh to the goodness of God, to the love of the Father, the power of your spirit, and how much you yearn that all would participate in heaven. We say, come, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way with us at Harvest Church, our family and the churches around in this region. We pray blessing upon them, blessing upon their pastors and specifically those I met with this week, Martin Stockdale from Impact and, and Josh Pittman from, from uh, Jesus Community and Seaford and Yankalilla and, and Alex Crossley at Southern Life and Steve Hilder at Influences. And Lord, we just bless these guys. We bless them. We stand in unity with them. We're in the same trench. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd multiply, you'd send people to them for, to hear the gospel. We pray for healings. We pray for refreshing. We pray for a powerful move of God in our southern region. And we lay down our pride. We lay down our judgments. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Amen. Awesome.